Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Fiber Labs from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. This is, of course, Dave Cruz. And today we get to talk to Dr. Josh Landy, who's the co-founder and chief medical officer at Figure One, which is a VC-backed uh, startup. So what v Figure One does is quite fascinating. It's an app where doctors and patients can post medical issues and images, and then the medical community on Figure One can help diagnose the ailments. And it's it seems like it's definitely where medicine is headed. So I was excited that Josh was willing to come on the show and talk a little bit more about it. So uh, Josh, uh, thanks for joining us today. Dave, thanks for having me. <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. And uh, so maybe let's first talk about your uh, background, and then uh, you know how you know why did you get into medicine, and then we can start talking more about Figure One. But first, uh, your background can give us sure, a little overview. Sure. Uh, absolutely. So I, um, I'm a physician myself. Uh, I, I did. All, I'm, I'm Canadian. I did all my training uh, in Canada, um, and I, I became an internal medicine specialist uh, in 2009, and, and a critical care medicine specialist in 2011. So most of my work, even to date, is really uh, in the intensive care unit, looking after really sick people on life support who need uh, help and support from lots of different healthcare professionals in, in lots of different fields. Um, in, uh, in 2012, I um, went to Stanford to do some research. Uh, I was a visiting scholar there, and I had always had a mind to um, do something in the medical education field. Um, this was something that I, I liked from the time I was a medical student, but always felt like the traditional way medicine was taught um, was fine. It was standard. It was, it was default, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't keeping up. Um, and I really felt like there was a lot of opportunities for us to use modern modalities of communication, that is essentially the internet and mobile phones, to be able to do a better job of, of creating uh, educational uh, tools. Now, that, that was the spark of the idea, and it sort of um, really came together for me when I was at Stanford doing the research, because the research question we were trying to answer is, what do young physicians and students do with their phones when they're trying to learn? And so we answered that question with a, a series of qualitative and quantitative descriptions. Um, and I took that idea home with me, uh, you know, the results of that, and we ended up founding Figure One from that. So that's sort of my background, that a bit of the origin of Figure One, which uh, I'm, I'd be happy to go into detail for uh, if you'd like. Yeah, definitely. And, and what uh, prompted you to get into medicine? Did you always want to get into medicine when you were growing up? or? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I don't think that I have specific memories as a child of dressing up like a physician and always <laughs> wanting to be one. But, um, but I, you know, I think I've always uh, had a, a curiosity for how things work and why things work. Um, and those are great questions to ask uh, if you're interested in wondering how to, how to... Those are great questions to ask in medicine if you're um, curious about how the body works. So just I sort of followed my curiosity, selecting courses and and uh, and things like that in university, and it just sort of became clear that all the people who uh, who I knew who were like me, um, who had you know questions like I did, uh, wanted to go to medicine. And when I considered it as a career, it seemed like a great choice and a good match for my interest and my aptitude, and so I uh, I went for it. Interesting. And uh, and are you so are you still pra you're still practicing? Uh, That's right. And, yeah, and, I, uh, and the CMO. 
So you're busy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I have a I have a fairly busy uh, schedule these days, but I certainly don't mind. I mean, staying busy was one of the reasons why um, I wanted to start a company, even though I had a full time job as a intensive care physician at the time. Oh, interesting. And so how well. As you already mentioned, you, already, you thought of the idea kind of when you're out in Stanford for figure one. How did that kind of evolve? And did you get, was there, did you establish a good network out at Stanford? And, and then how, yeah, how did you come up with the idea and how did you get figure one going? So the initial idea was sort of around this idea of using cases uh, for teaching. Um, what we what we learned from that research at Stanford was that young physicians and students are uh, already using their phones um, in many ways for medical education. They're using them to look things up. They're using them to transmit information uh, and communicate ideas about research studies or um, uh, techniques and tips to each other. Uh, and, and one of the most common behaviors is taking pictures of cases they're seeing and transmitting them to their colleagues to either ask for advice or demonstrate uh, follow-up um, and, and often for discussion. So the questions and cases that they exchange between each other um, are often just on a one-to-one -one basis and are often not um, done with patient privacy in mind. Sometimes those images can contain private information. And so having a tool uh, that lets you collect these types of conversations, make them available to uh, many, many more people, and preserves them, while at the same time removing all of the uh, concerning uh, uh, privacy data, like that is making the images uh, safe to share on the internet, um, was a job that I felt that we could do all in one fell swoop. So now, uh, you know, so we, we came up with the idea of figure one, and immediately we saw that there's this, now this resource where healthcare professionals can share cases, um, they, they can discuss them, they don't have to worry about uh, patients' privacy being breached, and now those cases are indexable and searchable for many more generations of healthcare professionals who are going to learn about conditions uh, in years to come. Yeah, it's, it's a great idea, and, and anyone who has not, everyone should download for everyone. You can download it even if you're not a medical professional. You can't necessarily upload cases, medical cases, but you can check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the thing that I think you're referring to um, when, you, when you're very... Uh, uh, in your flattering commentary, which I definitely appreciate, uh, is that you know we that was the idea we the idea we started with was that we could use this to teach, but recognizing that every healthcare professional who works uh, um, to this day is learning new things all the time, new approaches to the same case, uh, using adapted approaches to new cases. And the idea of becoming more experienced and seeing things that you haven't seen before to exercise your brain and, and deepen your curiosity is the mode that uh, that expands people's abilities in medicine. So making healthcare professionals more knowledgeable um, is the same thing as teaching people medicine. That's the same thing as practicing medicine. And so by taking this uh, this network and this tool set and giving it to people everywhere in the world where there's internet signal means that the knowledge of specialists, even if it's uh, in, uh, you know, um, if the knowledge of the specialist comes from Madison, Wisconsin, or it comes from uh, New York City, that knowledge can reach providers around the world in places where they don't have specialists who know these things. And now we can start to really um, delight the medical community by providing the information they need in the moment they need it anywhere in the world at any time of day. 
So, so you had this idea, which you know was a good one, uh, but how did you actually? Um, what were the next steps? How do you actually make it happen? And you know, creating this type of platform is not easy when kind of a two-sided platform of you know physicians and then uh, well, is it is the audience mainly physicians? Do you see other hospital staff on there? Would patients be an audience? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I guess I'll answer that question in two parts. Um, the first is how we turn the idea into a platform. And the second question is, who is your platform? Right? Who is your platform yep, yep. for? So uh, the first question of how we um, how we reached, or maybe I should answer first, who, who we're reaching. Um, we're reaching healthcare professionals. Uh, that's, that's our audience. Our audience is not patients, but it's uh, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, paramedics, physiotherapists, um, speech-language pathologists, really anybody who, uh, who works in a licensed uh, healthcare profession. Um, and the reason is that there, there was a time when all healthcare that was available was delivered through physicians. That's not true anymore. People see uh, many different types of healthcare professionals through their day, and often hospitals will employ physician assistants or nurse practitioners um, to, re- to augment the presence of a physician um, in many places where um, there are too many patients for a single physician. Um, so knowing that people gain healthcare knowledge um, from specialists who aren't doctors means that um, healthcare is being delivered by these people. Uh, and that, that, that means that their contributions to our community are welcome and just as important as anyone else's. Um, the way we developed our audience is essentially by making essentially keeping the content on figure one focused on their needs. So um, when you, you know, when you go to figure one, you won't see patients conversation and you won't see um, conversations about, you know, how people um, sought care for a disease, but you'll see cases that are in active, in the active phase of uh, treatment or uh, haven't been diagnosed yet. And you're seeing uh, an inside conversation of what it looks like when healthcare professionals interact in real life. Um, so, uh, you know, building something that people will find useful and that is built um, to suit their communication needs, uh, I think, is probably the most important thing that we could have done. Um, how, how did you get... treating treating oh. professionals like professionals? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and how did you get the first few healthcare professionals on the platform? And uh, mm-hmm. grow up from there. Uh, yeah, as a um, as a physician myself, I work with a lot of physicians, and so the initial users were just people who were in my own personal network. Um, and you know, then uh, you know, as people see it, they refer their colleagues. And in fact, um, to this day, um, one of our biggest sources of traffic is um, we we actually can't tell where it's from uh, directly because it's not from we don't get. So much traffic from any particular website that draw you know sends traffic to our app, but what we see happening probably the most is that um, when we ask users how they heard about Figure One, they're telling us that they heard about it at work, and that means that other people are using it at work and hmm. showing it to each other at work, and that organic growth yeah, um, has been an enormous driver and really powerful, really powerful. I mean, it not only doesn't mean that people are using it at work, but people are using it to the point where other people are seeing it. Uh, and it generates discussion. So, um, you know, creating a tool that is going to be relevant to people in their workflow 
Um, that was a really important thing, I think, that we did. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of workflow tools out there for physicians, and uh, I've been pitched for lots of tools that are going to, uh, quote, transform my workflow, unquote. <laughs> and that's something that I dread. Like, that's not something I want. I don't want you to change or blow up my work. I'm, that's going to make me, like, irritated. <laughs> what I want is something that will augment what I'm already doing and make what I'm trying to do easier. And so if I have a tool like Figure One where I can – uh, where I need an opinion, and I'd like it right now, please, I can post a picture, request the advice from um, an ophthalmologist or a cardiologist, and I can have that information in 20 minutes, uh, which is probably as long as it takes for a, a, a physician in a hospital to even answer a page. What's that fast? It's, it's It can be. Oh, sure. You can post a case, and you start to get responses within minutes. Huh. So, and, and can you walk us through how it works exactly? Let's say a physician's... With a patient and is unsure the you know the diagnosis and they like well I'm gonna post this to Figure One can you walk us through how that whole process works and can they sure yeah and then can they like do they send it to the whole community or can they send it just to like a certain people or okay yeah so um, healthcare professionals uh, on Figure One can tap the upload button to start a case there's a consent form built in with a prompt that pops up uh, right at the beginning which um, has a built-in consent form for you to, to show to your patient or their representative, and then uh, you can obtain a signature either in the app itself or you can do it offline if that's what your uh, hospital or jurisdiction demands. Um, every every jurisdiction, which may, might mean city to city, county to county, state to state, or even country to country, uh, the privacy rules and regulations and policies change. So it's important that uh, all users be aware of what the policies are in their jurisdiction. Um, and then after the consent process is done, you simply you either import a photo from your camera roll or you take a picture using the app. Uh, you can annotate those photos by uh, either cropping things out or marking them up with arrows. Uh, and and uh, there's a reminder there about how to remove private details. So names, numbers, birth dates, tattoos, and faces are all things that aren't allowed on Figure One, among other things. And so removing those uh, pieces of data is what makes these um, – cases shareable we um each doctor will uh add a caption underneath describing what they're seeing and asking any questions if they're if if they have them and then simply uh, finish uploading a pro uploading a photo uh after which point um the behind the scenes work begins the behind the scenes part is that all of the uh the identifying data that's built into most smartphone cameras, uh, that data gets wiped away, so there's no location or time stamp data on that photo when it's uploaded to Figure One. And then the images are reviewed manually by a team of moderators here at Figure One who are looking specifically to ensure that privacy is protected, that the images are appropriately educational, and that there's no... Um, uh, that there's no sensationalistic content there. I mean, the goal is for us to contribute to the community, uh, not to shock it. Gotcha. And what if uh, a case doesn't need a photo? Is it a photo required? So right now, every uh, every case uh, has a photo attached okay. to it. Um, we, we do permit people to uh, upload photos of uh, related illnesses or sometimes uh, if you don't have a picture of the patient, sometimes you can take a picture of the medication uh, if you're asking a question about the medication that the patient takes. Um, 
So there's lots of alternatives if you if you if you didn't snap a picture at the time. And the idea is to generate conversation and teach people um, something about the case you're seeing, or perhaps to learn something, um, depending on what side of the coin you're on. So a- after your team at Fear One kind of scrubs the photo, make sure it's okay. They send out to the community. Does that does that go out to everyone, or can you say just ophthalmologists and it'll just go out to ophthalmologists, um, or can so, you? even target a smaller subset like a certain specialist yeah, yeah. the um if you want advice from a particular set of uh, specialists like an ophthalmologist you can actually indicate that uh, by using a feature that we call paging i mean it, we, we named it that because it's just like paging a yeah, physician sure, yeah. paging a specialist from a switchboard um and the figure one um sort of um server will uh, has an algorithm that finds uh, a particular population of verified uh, specialists of the type you requested and will send that case to them specifically and they'll get a push notification rec- uh, letting them know that their opinion's been requested. And um, those are the cases that, that have a have a response rate that's uh, in the, you know, typically an answer is posted within 20, 20 I think it's 26 minutes is the average these days. Well, that is amazing. And, and they don't necessarily get compensated. This is just... Uh... The... That's right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the idea here is that these are professionals asking other professionals, and indeed, people will sort of like give and take, right? This is a short discussion. You're not asking for much of this person's time, and in fact, you're not even asking them to review the entire case, only to answer the one question you've asked. Um, the mode of consultation in medicine is that a consultation is based around a question. So you have asked the specialist to review your patient, and you have, you have a question about that patient. It's not just generally help make this patient better. Um, often, if you're asking an ophthalmologist uh, a question, it's, you know, if you see a patient who's got uh, blindness in one eye, you might say, can you tell what's causing this person's blindness? Right? You're not going to say, we don't know what's going on. Can you help? And then they have to start <laughs> asking a series of questions, right? You try to be as specific as possible so that person knows exactly where to direct their attention. And the same is true in the app. People will do that sort of uh, that directional uh, questions to help. Do you- um, that said, you, if, you're a, if you're a user and you are, say, a cardiologist and you only want to see cardiology images, uh, you, can, you can define your own feed of images yourself and, and select okay. as many or as few specialties as you want. Do, do you see many cases where it's the, the your team at Figure One might already know that this question has been answered many times before, um, or do you just automatically send it out even though you know this this is a typical kind of a typical question that's asked? Yeah, I mean we we do uh, upload cases even if there's things similar, um, only because there's almost never two cases that are exactly the same. Hmm. And there may be some prevailing uh, piece of information that changes the the meaning of one particular case where it wouldn't be different. Where, uh, it, it, so it's, you know, even if it's very similar, it may be slightly different. Um, it's also good to have different um, pictures of the same disease because then if somebody comes on and is looking for, uh, wants to use figure one images as a resource, like they're seeing a picture of, uh, a skin rash called erythema nodosum, and they want to know what does erythema nodosum look like when it's in its classic pattern. Well, they search figure one, and if they only come up with one example, um, that sort of doesn't give you a lot to go on. But if you have 50 examples, 
you sort of get a sense of what it looks like on light skin, what it looks like on dark skin, what if it looks like, what does it look like when it's advanced, what does it look like when it's early, um, you know, those sorts of variations. So it really gives you a lot more information to to give multiple um, tokens to each type of image. Can can the general public ask, uh, search all this information? Uh, yeah, I believe they can. Um, I think the um, the non-healthcare professional version of Figure One um, uh, has a search bar in it. Yep. And so you can you can access that function uh, just as well. Uh, non-healthcare professionals aren't able to uh, contribute content, so they're not able to discuss or add add images. But um, I mean, to be honest, most of the conversations are fairly high level. Uh, the sort of at the professional and even at times academic level. Um, so, this, you know, it's, it's a resource certainly, um, and it's available certainly, but is it going to be, it's, but it's not designed to be specifically helpful to patients at this time. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing a search bar, you know, I did some searches. I used to know if it indexed, you know, most of the um, cases and it, and it's not indexed by Google right now. Right. Yeah. Not, not at the moment. Okay. Um, I mean, but, you know, there's, we, you know, we had some concerns about, um, you know, th this data is very, uh, it's, it's sensitive, yeah. right? Like oh, yeah. These are these are people's illnesses, and we want to make sure that um, uh, the data is protected in the appropriate way. So uh, at, the, at the moment, uh, it's not indexed for search in that way. Do, so do you have one or two good case studies where somebody just could not figure something out? I mean... It sounds like the responses are pretty quick, but are there some cases where just no one has that idea what this might be? And then, but over time, yeah, so, yeah, 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 that's happened certainly. And um, you know, even something we've we've been promoting lately is if there are cases that exist out there uh, that people know about, um, like there was a, a case uh, of a very shocking medical condition uh, in the United Kingdom where. Um, a young girl was having these episodes where she would spontaneously bleed from her eyes and ears. Oh my! Like the pictures are just absolutely shocking, um, and this has sort of baffled a lot of the physicians that she's seen, the specialists. And so uh, somebody posted it on Figure One. Now we don't have an answer for her either, uh, but um, certainly we like. There's lots of those mysteries that don't get found out. Sure, um, there's lots of ones who do, but sure, there are some that don't. Interesting. Well, I, I feel a lot better knowing that figure one is out there in case I come down with something. I feel like you have the power of the network behind you instead of just your doctor who's sitting with you in the room. Who, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, just think about, uh, you know, a, a general practitioner saying, I'm not sure I know the answer to your, I'm not sure I know what disease you have, but uh, let me take a picture and I'll ask 500,000 of my colleagues <laughs> and I'll be back in five minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, right. that's why so connecting, so like connecting the world's medical knowledge is something that is long overdue, right? We see the long times that it takes to get from introduction of a useful therapy to the time when it becomes commonplace, you know, and that, that length of time is, is unacceptably long. It's like 10 years to go from an official, a society releasing an official set of guidelines for therapy to the point where those guidelines are routinely used. Mm -hmm. Um, and that type of uh, that type of time span disadvantages ten years worth of patients. Um, and so, having a platform like Figure One, where that information can instantly be transported uh, across uh, across borders, you know, in seconds, um, I think is something that uh, will meaningfully contribute to the future of medicine.
Definitely. And to that, where, I mean, where do you want to take figure one? Just keep expanding. Do you want to get into more areas? I, mean, I always pictured, and you're an ICU doctor, and if I was an ICU, like, maybe I'd want all my vital signs and everything made available to the public for the same reason, that maybe somebody would catch something that my own physician's not catching. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That, I mean, I, I, you know, sorry. Oh no, that's taken to the extreme, but, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think, uh, at least I'm very open about, uh, my medical issues. Or I would be. And, uh, yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I think the natural extension of this is to think about figure one as the world's first global digital teaching hospital. Hmm. This is a place where medical students and residents could go and see cases and practice and be given advice by experienced clinicians and specialists um, and help shape their practice. And for people who are practicing in the field, for them to bring interesting cases forward and have those cases seen without needing to uh, you know, take a week off to attend a conference to present a single case amongst 5,000 others, right? This is something you can do from your office and bring something interesting to light um, to demonstrate for, you know, the hundreds of thousands of other healthcare professionals who will see it later that day or week. So how do you see this changing how physicians are trained and what type of skill sets are necessary? Because I imagine it's going to be, you know, it's, it's different than what, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And, I, you know, th- this harkens uh, back to, I guess, one of my thoughts on how um, how figure one's going to evolve, which is to say, when you picture medical education, you picture classrooms and you picture wards and groups of students rounding together uh, with their uh, residents and attending physicians. And to be honest, that mode of medical education hasn't changed substantially since 1903. That's when uh, there was a report called the Flexner Report. Uh, was published, and it basically described and subsequently codified the way medical education was being delivered in the United States. Um, since then, things haven't really changed a lot. Sure, you know, now we have PowerPoint, so okay, <laughs> there's more slideshows. But um, the truth is that when you transport an old, uh, an old format into a new medium, you end up with something that you don't recognize. And so that's why a lot of old media, that's why social media and traditional media look different on the internet, right? You can't just take something that works in real life and transport it to the internet and expect it to look and feel the same way. No. Um, so, so by you know creating an app and and developing a tool that is designed for the mobile on-the-go physician who has habits of knowing how to message people on social platforms, knowing how to upload photos to social platforms, leveraging those those behaviors that people already have, um, I think what we're doing is we're creating a hybrid model of social and professional, which ideally um, helps your knowledge stay up to date while at the same time being satisfying to you. Could, could, um, you, could you see yourself creating essentially training modules so like an ophthalmologist would have a Essentially, they could go to the app and be trained on lots of different real cases. There's no question that that is something that will exist on Figure One one day. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, creating creating tools and sort of mini curricula that will um, outline and demonstrate, say, the you know the 50 most important cases you will see as an acute care surgeon, or you know um, the uh, the hundred different uh, ways that a heart attack can present on an electrocardiogram. Um, or different 
ways to look for a collapsed lung on x-ray. I mean, these things are very uh, easy to collect and, and collate on figure one. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before things like that uh, uh, arise naturally. Huh. Is, is there anything else like that that you'd like to see figure, figure one evolve to over time? Well, there's, there's so, there's so many. So many. It's just a matter of, well, it's just a matter of time. I mean, how, yeah. to take all of the tools and resources and technology that we use that cost tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars and take those that, that infrastructure, convert it to something um, that has a distributed knowledge philosophy like figure one, and you can deliver much more value um, than at almost no uh, additional cost. So by taking technology out of the hospitals and putting it in the hands of healthcare professionals, um, I think that we're going to see um, rapid improvement in uh, in communication techniques and, and potentially even interpretation of tests. Uh, I don't think it's so far-fetched to picture figure one uh, having a module where you can shoot a picture of an ECG and it points out to you the things that you need to pay attention to. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, computer vision and machine learning model. Yeah, right, the right uh, the sky's the limit. No, for us, we're only limited by our own small resources, right? Like our company isn't uh, isn't a behemoth. It's not massive. It's, in fact, it's it's pretty small for um, a medical technology company. So um, you know, we can only build one feature at a time. But we're trying. We're trying as fast. We're trying to build things as fast as we can. Have you ever thought about? kind of opening up the platform so people could kind of could build their own tools on top of it you know, um, like, we've been we've been we've been asked uh if we would do that um those requests are infrequent and so it hasn't been something that we've developed uh very much but it's not something i'm close to in the future we just need to have a sufficient uh i think a sufficient demand and i guess uh the prevailing belief that um that will be helpful so we're uh, we're coming to coming to the end uh, or near the end. I got a couple more questions. One is uh, I like to ask uh, most folks is you know lessons learned through this pro- through this process. You know, have you learned some lessons that you would maybe do differently next time if you uh, did it again? Um, there's lessons learned that I've sort of like learned and applied. Um, hopefully, many of them in time. I'm sure if I had learned these things earlier, we are you know our company would be further along where we are now. But there, there's a very, uh, and I think it's a very natural inclination for you to picture how your product will evolve. You know, you sort of think, okay, we're going to add this feature, then we're like, we're going to add a feed, that'll be first, and then we'll add a search, and then we'll add a browse function, and then we'll add a profile, and you sort of like grow it just like any other, you sort of are goal directed about how you want to deliver new pieces of your product. But, um, uh, you know, in the, within the past year, we've really, really changed the way we think about what the next steps are. Um, you know, uh, we're a company that has, you know, a mission and and, and uh, values and, and a, you know, um, and what we want to do is keep those in mind as we develop new features, but have the features be not just there because they're supposed to be, but have them serve a purpose and have users uh, give us feedback on what they want to see in it. And so by learning what engages healthcare professionals, or really on a product, learning what engages your users 
and letting them guide you is not a is not a natural um, um, or automatic thought, right? Like that's something that has to be very deliberate. You have to say we are going to plan to interview a hundred or a thousand users, and we're going to ask them how they find this useful. We're going to ask them what they want, and we're going to find out if they use it, and then we're going to build that. Um, but but sort of doing it from the beginning and saying, all right, I know what we what our first ten steps are. Um, no, you don't. You don't know anything. You don't know anything until you talk to your users. No, that's good advice. That's good. Okay. And last question is: uh, right now, is it is it free for everyone? That, and I know you've raised, and we should. I mean, you guys raised about thirteen million dollars from some pretty significant venture capital firms. So you guys are. Uh, I know you're small, but uh, for a startup, you've done a. You're doing quite well. Um, it, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, we've, is, uh, we've raised. Just over ten million dollars from a number of investors. Okay. Uh, the uh, chief of which is our is the most recent lead investor on our Series A, which is Union Square Ventures. Um, Union Square is well known for being, uh, you know, one of the first investors in Twitter, in Tumblr, Etsy, Kickstarter, SoundCloud. Yep. Um, pretty brilliant. So they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're brilliant, and they they know. Um, they really, really have an appreciation for how people build networks and how those networks affect the product. Um, and so having their guidance has just been absolutely marvelous. Um, so, you know, you asked uh, if our app, you sort of hinted that the app is currently free, maybe perhaps wondering if one day it won't be. But, you know, I think if we're trying to engage a worldwide network of healthcare professionals, there's no question that this app has to stay free for those people to, to use at any time. Um, when it comes to making money, we are currently uh, conducting a series of experiments with various types of uh, um, uh, various revenue streams. So we've experimented with uh, sponsored content, um, sort of like native advertising type of uh, thing. We've, uh, we're experimenting with um, uh, market research information. Um, and there's, uh, there's a bunch more tests that we haven't done yet that we're planning to do later this year. And really the goal is to find out which of these monetization experiments will lead to adding value to the network because of course, um, you know our uh, our investors and and our investors and our board is expecting that this company is going to be successful financially. And indeed, I'm sure that we will be. Um, but the only thing that matters is if users are using your service. So if you're going to try and make money from somebody who doesn't want to do what you're trying to get them to do, they will leave, and you will not make money. So if you can figure out something that will add value to that user's experience. Um, they'll stick around. So by making sure that we balance those two things carefully as we move forward and we discover more, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to, to strike a balance that makes sense for our company. No, that makes sense. You should, and you probably wouldn't necessarily open up to consumers and let consumers ask the community questions for like, you know, parents are, I'm a parent, we're fairly psycho. You know, we'd pay 250 bucks a year just to have access to, access to all these different yeah. uh, physicians. Um, but that would I mean, change not, the model. Not, that would definitely change. It would. It, it would also change the way that uh, the the community interacts with yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's still fairly early. I mean, if that was something that would happen, I couldn't see that happening for for a very long time. Makes um, sense. And if I did do it, it, I don't think it would be a subscription fee. It might be a market based thing, so people could potentially bid on things. But um, to be honest, that's just off the top of my head. Um, this isn't something that we're meaningfully thinking about right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well. I think we came to have come to the end now. Definitely appreciate it, Josh. It's been a it's 
it's inspiring what you guys are doing. And like I said, I feel safer knowing it's out there. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, if, if anybody is listening and you're in your doctor's office today, don't forget to mention, ask your doctor <laughs> if they're using figure one. That's going to be a perfect uh, commercial, TV commercial right there. Um, one of these days I'll get around to writing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Thanks, Josh. And thanks, everyone, for uh, uh, listening to another episode of Flower Labs from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. We appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.